What's up, coaches? You're tuned into the latest episode of KYPD coming to you on a Sunday this week, one day earlier than usual. And the reason for that is actually actually a couple of things. First, tomorrow, as you guys are well aware, is it's like Christmas Day for us coaches here in Texas and in many other parts of the nation as tomorrow, August 2nd, is the opening day of fall camp. So I wanted to push this episode out a day earlier to give you guys more time to listen and also give myself a little more time to get my ducks in a row from Monday. So uh, if you're up at the field house getting some some final things ready for tomorrow or maybe at your house, you know, working on the computer or, or uh, putting together that practice plan, whatever you're doing, maybe to get ready for tomorrow, thank you for checking us out. Secondly, as you already know, we're talking with Mike Roche, who covers the Texas Longhorns for 24-7 Sports, and he does a phenomenal job with that. Uh, and today, specifically, we're talking about Texas and OU moving to the SEC, amongst other things. So I wanted to get this episode out before the new week flipped over and before there were any other breaks in that story. So what that means for you is that you get access to your favorite D-Line podcast one day early. So again, thank you for tuning in today. We have a really cool episode lined up for you, and that is, of course, outside of our it's outside of our typical spectrum of content. But like most of of you guys, uh, this this story of Texas and OU defecting from the Big Twelve for the SEC is a story that I've been fascinated with, as is it not only affects college football here in the state of Texas and in the South, but you know the the ripple effects from this move will undoubtedly change the landscape of college football as we know it. So. Mike is here today to break it all down for us. Plus, we get his thoughts on the uh, name, image, and likeness ruling and how he's seen that affect college football so far. Uh, we get his thoughts on the Longhorns' upcoming season under Coach Sarkeesian. And then we close out with some recruiting talk in Mike's class of 22 sleepers who are poised to have breakout seasons this fall and turn some heads across the state. So a really fun episode for you today. Uh, but before we dive into our conversation with Mike, I do need to tell you about my friends at Our Coaching Network. As I told you guys last week, we will be shutting the podcast down for the, the, the football season, but not to worry because our coaching network has got you covered with live clinics going off usually three to four nights a week uh, and a library of over 100 hours of clinics that you can access at any time. So get on over there today, create your account. It's really easy and it's affordable and you can cancel at any time. So there's no pressure. So start learning from and connecting with coaches today at our coaching network. All right, and, and as you guys already know, the 2021 season is just a few short weeks from kicking off. With many of you guys already starting fall camps uh, this week. And you no doubt have your practice plans, your depth charts, and, and playbooks all ready to go. But what about your plan for things like letting your community know the score of your game on Friday night or creating a recruiting graphic for your guys? Uh, or what about player spotlight graphics, team stats, uh, coaches spotlights, and, and everything else? Well, my friends at GoEdit Graphics have everything you need for all of the above. And their simple, easy-to-use templates allow you to create customizable graphics in minutes that will promote the awesome things going on within your athletic programs. Subscriptions are for 12 months, and they include unlimited graphics. And here's something else that's cool. Mention keep your pads down or receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEdit Graphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Okay, so back to today's episode with Mike. Now, if you follow the Texas Longhorns, and you are probably familiar with Mike's work on 24-7 Sports, where you can go and read his articles on all things Texas sports. And if you're a Texas high school football coach, you've probably seen Mike at coaching school 
or at another coaching clinic. I know we got to get together with him at the DFW clinic this past winter, and he uh, he makes a few trips every year uh, out to Texarkana, and, he, and he's been the last few years to check out our guys, and, and he's awesome. Great guy, a great person to know. Uh, if you saw him at coaching school this year, by the way, you, you might have seen him on, uh, I believe it was on Monday, uh, repping a PG shirt. So we got a lot of love for Mike. Uh, and, and just really appreciate all that he does. But anyway, he's been with 24-7 since 2017. Uh, before that, he covered the Longhorns for a website called Horn Sports. So like I said, really excited to be talking with Mike today. A ton of great stuff from him, and I'm excited for you to hear it. So with all that being said, let's dive into our conversation with 24-7's Mike Roach on episode number 116 of Keep Your Pads Down. All right, well, Mike, first of all, thank you so much for making some time for us today and welcome to the podcast. Oh, I appreciate you for having me, Coach. And I've uh, always been of an admirer of y'all's program and, and your, your staff's always been so good to me. And frankly, when I ran into your coaching school and you said, you know, I got a podcast, I was like, I wonder when I'll get the invite. And so it didn't, uh, it didn't take too long after. It didn't take long. You know, the, the college football gods dropped this story on, on all of us and, and, you know, in, in late July, which is typically, you know, like the wasteland of, of sports, right? I mean, for you, I, you know, I got to imagine late July, you know, it's not, we're not quite into, you know, fall camps. Guys haven't reported to school yet. Recruiting is kind of starting to wind up for the summer anyway, you know, as far as camps and everything goes. So I got to imagine that, that this whole stuff with Texas and OU going to the SEC, that, that had to be a, a godsend for you for this time of year. Is that, is that right? No lie. Like I, so, you know, every Monday I do the stampede over on 24 seven, which is like our big insider article. And it's always uh, like, okay, what am I going to write about this week? And this week was going to be a struggle. I was thinking about it and I was like, man, you know, like this coming up week, uh, Texas has a, like a recruiting event that I'll be able to write a ton of stuff after. Then I go on vacation and then I come back and everybody's in practice and we're getting ready for games and all that. So I was just like, how do I make it this one week? And then, the SEC, like you said, the football gods smiled upon us and gave me some stuff to write about this week. So yeah, it was uh, it was much needed. Well, so let's just let's just jump right into this thing because you know I think you know we saw each other at coaching school and and uh, you know of course you're, you're talking all kinds of guys there and 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 there was not a not a sniff of this right um, that 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 I had heard at that point. And then a few days later we get back and that's when this this stuff really starts uh, heating up. To your knowledge, when did these conversations of Texas know you going to the SEC, when did those first begin? What have you heard on that? I mean, we had, so right before we were at coaching school, we, the media, were at Big 12 Media Days. And so you would have thought maybe you catch wind of something there. But, um, you know, we had heard this was a possibility. Texas was going to be aggressive and looking for, uh, uh, you know, the right fit when it came to the next realignment to make sure they were put into the right position. The timing was way off for everybody. I think this came way earlier than everybody expected. In fact, I think if everybody would have liked, you know, wanted it the way they wanted it, this might not have come out until next year around this time. So, um, you know, it, it obviously got leaked in an effort to kind of blow it up and um, didn't really work. But 
I, you know, it sounds like it's been going on for about six, seven months from the people we've talked to. And, um, you know, it really kind of heated up that, that Texas and Oklahoma decided they were going to be kind of joined at the hip on this, make sure they went into the next phase together, which I think, you know, kudos to them, two rival schools for saying, hey, we got, we're, we know who we are. We know what our brands are. We need to take care of each other and make sure that, you know, we keep this rivalry and all those things. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been going on behind closed doors for a while. Any speculation on who actually leaked that story? Is that, has that been t- discussed? I mean, I'm sure I can think of a couple uh, possible candidates there uh, over um, kind of in the uh, post-Oak Park region of the state <laughs> yeah. you know, that, yeah. that, that maybe uh, wears a lot of maroon. Yeah, well, the the story originally came from Brent Zordeman of the Houston Chronicle, who is the Texas A&M beat writer. It was basically reported by multiple outlets that this came from the A&M side in an effort to kind of, maybe uh, expose it and stop it from happening. And I think all it did was kind of usher in a quicker, um, you know, kind of a quicker, it happening in a quicker way. So um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, I, I, I definitely understand Texas A&M's point of like, we've got this great advantage of being the only SEC school in Texas and we want to keep it that way. And I get that, but I also get that Texas, and no matter what you want to say, Texas has been whatever they've been for the past decade, and it's not been great. Texas is still Texas, and it's still they still move the needle for everybody. And when it comes to money and viewership and all those sorts of things, Texas is not only arguably the biggest brand in college sports, it's one of the biggest brands in the world in sports in general. I mean, you, you, you talk about you know, the, uh, the, the New York Yankees, the, the Dallas Cowboys, the Longhorns are in that group of, of that top group of just a really recognizable brand. So it made sense. I, I could see why A&M definitely tried to fight it, but um, yeah, it, it, it just wasn't going to happen at that point. I imagine that you have uh, friends that, that cover uh, A&M for Texags or, or whatever, you know, the publication might be. What are those guys saying uh, in light of all this, this, this past week? Um, you know, for us, it's just, um, <laughs> it's funny. So you mentioned Texags, like Jason Howell, who works at Texags, is a friend of mine, and, and we go back a ways in the business. And I actually haven't talked to him at all since stuff's kind of started up. And um, I'm sure we will when we run into each other at a game or an event or something. But, you know, I, I think everybody's a little bit excited. It's, um, you know, it's kind of a, a new step, a new thing in college football. And, um, you know, to be able to, uh, to kind of cover it and be on the forefront of it. In fact, I was uh, joking with a, a friend of mine who, who covers another school. Um, and I told him that I was going to have to stop talking to him because I'm about to be an SEC reporter. And so I'm better than him. So uh, I think we're, we're just kind of really having fun with it at this point. Seems like a, a lot of fun. Well, so to your, what you've been able to discover as you, you've looked into this, what was it that prompted this move? Uh, was it, you know, I, you hear all the time, you know, the answer to all your questions is always money, you know? So was it money? Was it the fact that, you know, maybe that, that, that Texas was starting to see the big 12 as something that, that uh, was losing steam as a conference a little bit and, and, you know, losing pace with, with the sec. And so uh, it's kind of one of those, if you can't beat them, join them type deals. What, what prompted this move? Yeah, I definitely think money is always kind of the driving force in any of this stuff. And so, um, you know, in the Big 12, they were making – these numbers are just going off the top of my head that I'm kind of remembering that our site reported. So bear with me if I don't get them really, you know, correct. But in the Big 12, they were making, I think, somewhere between 35 and $40 million a year. 
and projections are that they stand to make somewhere around 63, 65 million uh, with the with the SEC. And so I think for one, money is always going to be the number one driver of something like that. I think it's also just looking up and say, where's the sport going and do we want to be left out of it? And the sport is, I mean, it's, I, maybe it's, you know, just in my lifetime, but you know, in the last decade, the SEC has become the it factor of college football. And if you're not in it, you're, you're kind of just playing for second place. If you're not a few select schools, maybe Ohio state or Clemson or something, other than that, you're kind of screwed. And so, especially, you know, the path to the playoff, I think Oklahoma's, you know, it's been shown that, yeah, Oklahoma can get in there, but they always come in there, you know, a low seed in the playoff looking like, a, you know, maybe like a weak conference. And that's always the view. And I, I think the Big 12 has just been really, since they lost, you know, Nebraska, Colorado, Texas A&M, and Missouri, been really complacent when it comes to expansion. You know, I would have liked to have seen the Big 12 be way more aggressive when it came to expanding and, and maybe – seeing if they could figure out how to become a super conference, how maybe they could add some big time teams and they just never really got there. So I think for Texas and Oklahoma, they looked at, you know, these TV deal rights are so long. I mean, they're 10, 15 year deals. So you've got to, in fact, I think I saw today that like Clemson and Florida state are locked up into like 2032 or something like that. So um, you've really got to plan way ahead when you do the deal. And I think that they looked at 2025 as the next kind of re let's this is when we're going to re-up and it's like do we really want to be locked in this conference for another 10 or 15 years or do we kind of want to go where we think we can go and I think if you're Texas and you have the brand Texas does you you want to be playing the best and you want to step up to the challenge and I know everybody has said Texas can't even compete in the big 12 what are they going to do in the SEC well I mean the goal is obviously for Texas to get back to where they were and that's why they've poured money into the program that's why they've hired Steve Sarkeesian that's why they've you know, really gone about um, doing everything they can. Obviously, the goal is to revive that program. And if they're, if they, you know, they wanted to do it in the Big 12, they definitely will want to do it in the SEC. And I think they'll be able to a little easier in the SEC because I think they'll be able to recruit better. So for, there's a lot of people who are maybe that might be critical, not say a lot of people, but the people who are critical of this move might look at it and say, okay, how, you know, how does this make sense for Texas? Money aside, which is a big deal, you know, from a competition standpoint, uh, in the Big 12, their, their, their major roadblock, one major roadblock to get to the college football playoff is Oklahoma. Now you're, now you're throwing in LSU, Alabama, A&M, uh, Auburn, you know, Georgia, all these, all these heavy hitters from the SEC. So how does this, this move benefit these schools? Besides money, how does it benefit uh, a Texas and an OU? I think it just raises the bar. I mean, you've got to figure it out at this point. It's, it's, you're, you're not, you're not going to get Kansas anymore. You know, you're not going to get teams like that anymore. So I, like I said, the goal was always to revive the program. The hope was always that Steve Sarkeesian was going to fix this thing, get it going in the right direction once again, where they haven't been in a decade. But I mean, you, you guys at, at Pleasant Grove know as well as anybody, you, you set the expectation early and then you try to meet the, the expectation. And so, um, you know, you guys never shy away from playing the best. I think that it's kind of the same thing is, okay, we're going to write this check. And I think it's indicative of the leadership of Texas where they're at, at a place now with the guys they have in, in place. Um, but with the president, Jay Hartzell, with the athletic director, Crystal Conte, and the the chairman of the board of regents, Kevin Eltife, those guys are all extremely competitive extremely united, which is something Texas athletically hasn't been for a long time. 
and they really want to get back to being the best. And I think that they're basically going to write the check and see if Steve Sarkeesian can cash it. Yeah, I think the quote goes, you know, a high tide raises all boats. And so <laughs> I think if if all of a sudden, I, I think you're right. And that's that's what I've told people. And that's really just coming from, you know, again, just my observation that, that you know, yeah, if, if, if you want to be the best, then you got to put yourselves in there and put yourself on that level. And that's going to lead me to the next question here is, you know, how do you, how, how does this, um, from someone who, who, who covers recruiting for the University of Texas, how does this impact recruiting moving forward? I think it, I think it absolutely impacts recruiting. And, and I'll give an example you're familiar with. I, uh, Texas was in it with Marcus Burris and Landon Jackson down to the end. I mean, they were probably one of the two or three schools they were considering at the very end. Obviously, the year that those guys were coming out, Texas was in its, you know, in a downward spiral. It looked like the coaching staff was going out. So they weren't a very appetizing situation for anybody. But I wonder how much would have changed, at least for Landon, had Texas been an SEC school. I mean, now how much would Landon have looked at that and said, I could stay in state. I really like Texas. I, I know Landon liked Austin, and I know he had a good relationship with that coaching staff and things like that. But I think he looked at it and said, if I want to make the NFL, I need to go somewhere where that produces NFL players and a conference that produces NFL players. And so I think that's always been the biggest question for Texas. It's always been the one thing that other schools can negative recruit them on. I talked to a source the other day and I just said, like, how does this really change your recruiting pitch? And they said, does it? We've got a lot of great things to pitch already, but what this does is add on to it. We can just throw one more thing onto it. And it's a question we don't have to answer anymore. It's, you know, I mean, it was always what, Ohio State used against them. It was what any of the schools that were coming into Texas from the SEC used against them. And it's what Texas A&M used against them, that they play in a conference that, for one, um, you know, doesn't ever win in the playoff and, two, doesn't produce a lot at the NFL level. Um, and so I think that, you know, for for Texas, this changes things almost immediately because now you've got kids who, okay, I can stay home. I can play for the Longhorns, which is, frankly, I mean, what a lot of kids in the state dream growing up, you know. And I can still play in the best league in the SEC. My parents can see me in all that. So I, I think it, it helps them tremendously. It, it also helps Oklahoma a lot. Like, that's got to be acknowledged. And it, and it will continue to benefit Texas A&M. It's not, it's not to say that all those recruits suddenly all end up at Texas. It's just, uh, like you said, a rising tide lifts all boats. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to speculate here because as I'm thinking about, you know, how all these things kind of, you know, these dominoes started falling, the last few days, and you, and you mentioned that this has probably probably been in the works for the last six months or so. Well, the decision to uh, get rid of of Tom Herman and usher in Coach Sarkeesian falls within that time span. Do you think that that had anything to do with that? Like one had to do with the other, in particular, with going after uh, the top assistant coach uh, in the country who happened to be uh, in the SEC already? Yeah. You know, somebody asked me that the other day, and I just kind of dismissed it. And I was like, no, I mean, they they want to find the right guy regardless. But the more I think about it, yeah, it probably did have a lot to do with it. The more I think about it with that on Chris Del Conte's mind, he wanted to make sure that he was making the right hire. You know, they made a really good run at, at Urban Meyer, and that one didn't end up working out. And I think if you looked at the landscape, you know, of who was – probably likely to be available. I mean, you could throw out all the names you want, but you got to focus on the guys of who is likely to take the job if we offer it. You know, we're not getting Bill Belichick to quit coaching the Patriots to come to Austin. So um, I think, uh, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me was the reports during the year that if Nick Saban were to retire, 
Alabama would likely elevate Steve Sarkeesian to the head coaching role. And to me, the you know, I'm thinking, well, hell, if he's good, if he's good enough for for Alabama to kind of give the keys to, I mean, I think he should be good enough for Texas. So, you know, we'll see how that ultimately works out. But I do think, you know, they did have an eye. The more I think about it, the more I think they probably did have an eye towards this when they were making that decision. What are you hearing about how the how this could possibly uh, affect how the conference is structured? Or is it is it going to be uh, you know like a like pods you know with with kind of almost like divisions in the NFL? Uh, how is that going to be divided up? What are you hearing on that? Yeah, so the two scenarios I've seen is like uh, it would be four fourteen pods, and um, or you know two eight team divisions, and so. I kind of like the two A-team divisions, but you, you don't get a lot of crossover, I guess, if you're playing in your division, or you either that or you don't get a lot of non-conference games. So um, I, I think the two A-team divisions makes it really fascinating to me because the like the people who say, and I've seen this a lot, that like Texas and Oklahoma would be like the fifth and seventh best teams in the SEC – I just don't agree with that. I mean, Texas certainly has a lot of work to do to get their roster, but Oklahoma is going to be probably ranked number one this year um, in the preseason poll. I mean, if you look at the projected divisions, which the West would push out Alabama and Auburn and add Missouri back. And so the, the West would be Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. You're telling me Oklahoma can't win that West. I, I just don't. I don't believe that. So I think that it makes for a very competitive West, but it balances the conference as well because you push Alabama and Auburn over to the East where the East has kind of historically been the weaker side, just kind of, you know, except for maybe a Georgia who makes a run or or Florida or something like that. It's they've kind of been up to the mercy of whoever wins the West. I think that it, it gives a lot of balance to, to both divisions. So I'd really like to see it played that way. I need somebody to explain the pod system to me like I'm five because I just kind of don't get it when I look at it. So um, I'm really – I have no clue how it would be structured, but I, I, I would hope it would be the two divisions. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I didn't really understand that either, but I did see that out there, and I thought, well, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that they're smarter, smart, smarter than me and, and smart enough for those guys can figure it out. But looking at it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I, I just kind of assumed like maybe – you had crossovers within the pods, and you know, I, I don't know. Um, how how soon could this happen? What are we looking at here? Uh, I've heard everything from twenty twenty five to twenty twenty two. What do you what are you hearing on that? Yeah, I mean anything in between. I, the the grant of rights that Texas has right now, they cannot leave under contract until twenty twenty five, and so that's why everybody's saying twenty twenty five, and that's why Texas is saying twenty twenty five because right now they don't want to get sued. I would bet large sum of money that this thing does not last until 2025. I can't imagine how awkward it would be going through four more seasons knowing this was coming. So the options are that a Texas is either going to negotiate. Well, the option a is they pay a full buyout, which is somewhere around uh, 70,000, I think, or 70 million, I think. Um, And then I believe I would have to reread this to make sure, but I believe um, they would have to forfeit like all of their SEC revenue up until 2025 back to the Big 12 um, as part of the penalty for buying out early. So that's option one. They could negotiate a lower buyout if they wanted. That's option two. Or if the Big 12 disbands because all those other little schools decide to go find other conferences, 
then there's really no Big 12 around to enforce anything. So, I mean, that's kind of the other option. So I would bet if I had to guess, this thing probably gets done in 2023 is their first season in there. I think that they kind of spend the next year figuring things out and 2022 is the last ride for whatever this version of the Big 12 is. And then they, uh, they're on to 2023 at that point, I would guess. Well, we're going to move on and, and talk uh, about something else that's really, if it hadn't been for this story, would be the story of the summer as far as college football is concerned. And that's the name, name, uh, uh, name image, and likeness uh, rule. And, and so just curious, uh, in, in the time that, that that has been in effect, you know, since this summer, earlier this summer, how have you seen that impact college football? It's been the Wild West, man, and, and I really worry about these kids. I want to see them get paid. I am a proponent for kids being able to – like, college football makes a lot of money off the faces of these kids who don't get paid. So I would like to see them get paid for this, but I worry about the amount of kids who don't know how to pay taxes, who are probably getting advised by people who have who don't have their best interests in mind, and who are taking just any deal that comes to them for whatever amount of money and not probably reading the fine print. So – it is very much Wild West right now. Um, it's kind of filtering down to the high school level, which worries me. You know, we were at coaching school. The first thing I did was go sit down in the UIL press conference, and UIL was very clear, like, we do not have a handle on this. And as of right now, taking an NIL deal will cost you your eligibility at the high school level. So, you know, uh, please be very careful with what you do. And so I think it's just kind of opened the door. I think that was kind of the impetus of the move for Texas as well. I think obviously the SEC has a um, a reputation as a conference where maybe some underhanded things have happened. And Texas has kind of always tried to be above that, or at least have talked about being above that. Well, now with the NIL, you can openly talk about paying players and you can kind of filter that through different ways. And so I think somebody's got to get a hold on it. I, I, I'm all for it, but I think it's right now it's way too broad. Um, I mean, we've got media companies paying players for exclusive interviews and things like that, which is like to me, a guy who works in the media is insane. So, um, you know, for me, I, I just I think somebody's got to get a hold on it and figure it out. Where do we go from here? Is this sort of just the the tip of the iceberg? It's, it kind of seems like we're sort of assembling the plane after we jumped off the cliff with this thing. Where, where does it go from here? I would guess, I would actually say that it probably gets more restrictive from here. I think what I expected was them to launch NIL with a uh, more, you know, very restricted thing. And it, you know, you just slowly kind of opens up and we allow more. They they opened it with just do whatever you want. And so I now think, like I said, somebody's going to have to grab the reins and pull back a little bit. Um, I mean, we're right now, I don't think that there's a way to differentiate uh a booster just saying, I just want to pay this kid and I'll just call it a marketing deal, whatever. And so somehow somebody's going to have to get around that and figure out how, okay, what's going on here? Or if they care about it, if they don't care about it, just let whoever pay and the richest teams in the country will get the best players and that's who will win. And that'll be the sport. And um, so, yeah, I think if it's, if it's my guess and it all kind of depends on what happens with the NCAA too, because I think, this move for the SEC is one step closer to the NCAA becoming a non-factor. So who's going to enforce the rules? Um, I think, you know, it, it all depends on who's in charge, how much they care about it. But if, if it's my guess, it probably gets a little more restrictive at some point. One of the things that I thought was really interesting on, on this topic was when we were at coaching school, um, 
we we went to a a uh, coaches social hosted by a, a university uh, in the state of Texas. I won't say which one it was, but the coach uh, the coaches there, the coaching staff there uh, is well known in this state. Um, anyway, just talking with one of those coaches, and and I, he brought up a really interesting point that you know a lot of times these coaches' salaries you know, very little of that salary or at least a fraction of that salary is actually paid by the school. A lot of it's paid by those boosters, right, for that school. Mm -hmm. And so one thing he talked about that that you're already or he's already started to see is that some of these boosters are pulling that money that they would normally give to to coaches, to hire coaches, instead giving it to players. Have you seen that? And uh, is that something that, you know, I guess, how would that affect being, you know, schools being able to bring in coaches moving forward when you have boosters who say, hey, instead of giving it to this guy who, we can, you know, coaches come a dime a dozen sometimes, but I'm, instead of that, I'm going to, you know, pour into this, this five-star, uh, you know, running back or whatever. That's the funny part is like, it's, it's, you say it and I, and I don't disagree with you that, that boosters are probably like, well, I can't rely on this coach, but I'll totally put all my money on this 18 year old who I have no clue how his career is going to turn out. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just, it it ain't a smart bet, but I guess that's what you could do when you have a ton of money. I haven't personally heard of that, but it, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, the the amount of money boosters have is a lot, but it's it is finite. There is an end to it, and so I do wonder, you know, when it's time to build a new stadium or, or add on a new locker room, and and those those athletic directors go to the boosters and they say, "We can't, man. We're tapped. We had to pay for half your team last year." So um, it's a lot of slippery slopes, and I kind of knew it was coming. Being in you know, people will throw it in your face because, oh, you're in favor of this. Well, I'm in favor of it, but I'm in favor of a lot of things. But I also feel like we should figure out how to best, you know, do it. And I think that somebody's going to, like I said, somebody's going to have to get their hands around it because um, I see that becoming a problem. That's kind of a, a, um, a pitfall I probably didn't think about in the beginning. Well, I hadn't either, and that's why I thought it was so interesting. So what we talked about sometimes, you know, these 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 deals are kind of coming out of nowhere. Have you seen any strange pairings or sponsorship deals or or maybe what's the 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 strangest one you've seen or maybe one that caused you to scratch your head a little bit it didn't cause me to scratch my head I actually like applauded it I saw some kid in Miami got a deal with like a butcher like a like a direct ship steaks to you and I think he just gets free steaks and I was like what a genius um that that would kind of be uh, what I would be looking for. Yeah, that's it's very, weird. Uh, Ron Swanson, if you're a yeah, oh, super Ron Swanson. Yeah, and it, it's 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 weird just because like I can tell there's there's things I've seen now on kids' social media where I'm like, oh no, this this these people paid them like twenty bucks and they tweeted this thing or whatever, and it's they have no clue what they're tweeting. So um, I haven't seen anything like super weird because there are parameters in place. You know, they can't endorse. Uh, drugs or guns or anything in the sex industry, anything like that. But um, it's just, it's kind of funny to me to see like, I don't know, like Bijan Robinson at Texas is like, has a partnership with Canes. So now like, I kind of feel like every time I go to Canes, I'm just like putting money in Bijan Robinson's pocket somehow. Or a uh, bumper pool who played at, uh, played at Lovejoy is now at Arkansas. He just signed a deal with Slim Chickens. I love, and like Slim Chickens is one of my favorite places. I go there all the time. So um, it's funny to see that. Uh, I guess it's funny to see like, I don't know how these kids are making the deals, but I'm glad for them, I guess. Well, and that's what you talk, what you, you kind of talked about this at the very beginning. That's the interesting thing is they don't necessarily have an agent working on their behalf like someone in the NFL does it's it's these guys just 
sort of, hey, I'll give you X amount of, amount to do this. And, you know, sure. I mean, uh, I, I just can't imagine the trouble I would have gotten into. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I was in this, this situation with the, the, these guys are trying to wade through this, this, you know, what's good, what's bad, that sort of thing. I'll tell you this. I've had more like financial advisor guys reach out to me and be like, hey, player X's phone number. Um, Cause I know you knew them when they were recruit, like, can you give me their phone number? And it's like, no, I, I feel, I feel sleazy. Like, I don't know what your intentions are. I don't know you anything like that. Like if you can get a hold of them, get a hold of them, but I'm not going to help. And so, yeah, it, it's, you know, those kids are probably a teeny bit more prepared. I, I always think it's funny. And I say this all the time about recruiting is we take kids. I mean, if you think back to your, like any, any of us, when we were 18, we were idiots. I mean, I know I was. Like, and, and it's like, here, make these life-changing decisions about like what school you're going to go to. And, and now you add in like these business deals on top of it and figure out how to pay taxes. And, uh, you know, you need to figure out what a 1099 contract form is and all that. And, um, it's just, uh, uh, kids are either going to grow up quick or they're going to get in a lot of, they're going to be in a hole with money at some point. So. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Well, so you mentioned, you know, if, if you were 18, you, you get into trouble. And, and you also talked about how, you, you know, you love Slim Chickens. If, if you were to sign a name, image, and likeness deal, who, who, would you, who would you be signing with? I would probably go based off what I tweet most about. And outside of, of recruiting and the Dallas Stars, the things I tweet most about is Pinkerton's Barbecue. And I told you guys in San Antonio, you go did. have Pinkerton's. It's my you favorite did. barbecue place on the planet. And I was, it was pretty good, wasn't it? It, it was very good. And, and I, I would say that if, if they're willing to, to give you anything to, to, for a sponsorship with them to take it, because, yeah, you're right. It was, uh, it was, you know, we stood in line for a long time. We were at the very end of the line. They came in and told us, hey, you guys are the last ones. They were, they were running out of stuff left and right, but we were able to, to uh, get some brisket, get some pork ribs and uh, a few other sides. And uh, it was, it was, it was the real deal. And I've even, I've heard that the one, the original location is Houston and, and Houston is even better than that. Yeah. The San Antonio one's the new one. And I thought it was really good when I had it, but every time I'm in Houston, I go to Pinkerton. So Grant Pinkerton, if you're listening, um, it's your old buddy, Mike Roach. And if you want to throw me a few dollars or even just a free barbecue plate, when I'm in town, I will continue to endorse your restaurant, which I have been doing for free. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely uh, that that was definitely worth uh, standing in line for and uh, and checking that out for sure. Now let's transition to talking, you know, back to Texas football and just talking about, you know, an outlook for the upcoming season for the Longhorns. They are going to be in the Big 12 this season. We do know that for sure. Uh, looking at that team, which position group specifically uh, have you heard has the coaches the most exciting? You know, we got to go and visit uh, this summer when our baseball team was down there for state and got to walk around with those guys and, and see, see them working a little bit. And there does seem to be a lot of optimism surrounding the program, you know, with the stadium and the, all the facilities uh, upgrades there. Uh, but just talking about position groups specifically, what position group has the coaches the most excited uh, around there? I think it's probably running back. Um, I mean, when you've got a player like Bijan Robinson, who a lot of people feel could make, you know, run at a Heisman trophy before he leaves college, You've got to be excited about that. But the running back room as a whole is, is pretty strong with Rashawn Johnson, adding Keelan Robinson from Alabama, um, you know, Jonathan Brooks, who was really good at Hallettsville uh, coming in and, and giving them a boost. And then, you know, two of the 
two of the better running backs in the country and Jamarian Miller from Tyler Legacy and, and Jaden Blue from uh, Klein Kane, both committed in this class. They're excited about the future there. I think they're, they're probably real optimistic on there. And I know you guys, when you went from what I heard uh, from your, from your boss, got the, uh, the red carpet or the burnt orange carpet treatment uh, and they they rolled it out for you guys. So I think the most uh, common thing I've heard is just that it's a different energy around there. It's just a really optimistic and positive and exciting energy. Yeah, it definitely was. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, and those guys did do a great job of showing us around and uh, you know, not just, you know, passing us off to uh, you know, to some, you know, paper pushing guy who who has a has a longhorn polo on but you know they, they did a great job we got to meet uh, most of the staff coach Sarkeesian and 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 all the coordinators coach flood and, and all of those guys um so what's the uh, what's the latest on the QB situation there what can you tell us about that it's tight um you know Sark said himself that uh, the 15 practices in the spring weren't enough to decide it and He's, um, you know, he wants to see it through into the fall. So I think we could even see this play out over the first couple of games, just see who who kind of has the hot hand. It, Casey Thompson, obviously, you know, his, his last impression he left was just a stellar performance coming in in relief of Sam Ellinger in the, the Alamo Bowl and, and really just blowing people away with, with the way he threw the ball. Um, but Hudson Card, to me, and I said this when they recruited him, is probably the best quarterback Texas has signed since Colt McCoy. Um, and so I thought that, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Um, it's a really close race. I think that if you listen to guys during the fall or, or during the spring and even into the summer, it, you know, a lot of it was, hey, we, you know, Hudson makes a lot of big plays. Casey's probably the more consistent one. Um, you know, Hudson is the is the guy we think maybe long term is better, but Casey's the better leader. And so it's just kind of goes back and forth like that. So I'm interested to see how it plays out in fall camp. Eventually they're going to have to name a starter, but I could see it, you know, even if Casey Thompson's named the starter, I think that competition continues to roll going into the first and second game. We talked about, you know, the, the just sort of the feeling of optimism and positive energy surrounding the facilities there uh, up at Texas. And, and a lot of that is because of coach Sark and the energy that he has brought. Uh, talk about, you know, the impact that he's had on the program and on the city of Austin, everything concerning Texas football since he's been there? You know, I I have my own interfacings with him where we run into press availabilities and things like that. So I can take what I do there. But, you know, my I guess my greatest resources that I do, I am connected to so many high school coaches. And so I tend to lean on, hey, what do these high school coaches think about it? Because they're the ones who deal with him in more authentic places. You know, when he's speaking to us, he knows he's speaking to us. And I'm always on guard that somebody may be different when they're speaking to us versus other people. And the thing I've heard by and large is that he's kind of the same guy in every situation. He's kind of just this laid back, um, you know, really approachable, really genuine, honest guy. And so I think that um, for him, you know, I, I talked to, to players during the spring who say, hey, we're, we're having fun again. We're, we're enjoying being around the facility again. And I think obviously losing is not fun. And that's kind of where they got to last year. But, you know, I think that Tom Herman had the reputation as being this this hard nosed coach and that grinds on you, especially if you're not winning. So um, I think the biggest thing has just been the, the positive energy there. And guys are um, you know, guys feel like, hey, we're being held accountable. We're getting down to business when we, when we need to get but it's also not miserable. You know, we're not being, you know, just yelled at all the time. So I, I think it's been a really good, uh, it's probably what they needed at that time. 
Well, now let's get into recruiting. Uh, you, you are, um, I know, I know that 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 uh, that you have a a great feel for the state of Texas and and guys that are uh, that have blown up this summer. Looking out at the at this this upcoming season and this next recruiting cycle, the 2022 uh, recruiting cycle. Who are some guys that you know that that maybe are off our radar at this point that really could 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 uh, could ha- are poised to have breakout seasons this this upcoming football season? It's funny you ask because I was literally just put down an article I was in the middle of writing um, that's going to come out. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. We're recording it on a Tuesday, um, but this article will come out on Wednesday. And it's uh, 22 guys in the 2022 class who I feel could blow up after strong seasons. And they're kind of it's kind of a sleeper article. I, I looked at guys with three offers or less. Three was kind of the magic number, and they can't be like really big offers. I mean, if you've got Rice and Stephen F. Austin and Incarnate Word, I'll consider you as a sleeper on this list. So a couple guys have highlighted on here. One you is, live, is right across town from you guys. Brayson McHenry, the quarterback at Texas High, I think is probably the most consistent quarterback I've seen this spring. I think he is a, a tremendous prospect. He's got, you know, he's his his knock is he's not 6'2", 6'3". And I think that people hold that against him. But for me, throwing the ball, he throws it as well as anybody I've seen. Um, Steven Nadozi, a cornerback from Keller Fossil Ridge, is a guy that I'm frankly shocked doesn't have more at this point. I mean, he's a big, long, athletic, fluid corner that's that's done a lot. I look for him to have a big year. Zion Clark is safety at Anawak. I know not many people know where Anawak is. That's down somewhere between Houston and Beaumont, um, out I-10 East. So uh, Zion is a kid that really caught my eye on the seven-on-seven scene. Uh, this year. Aaron Sears, cornerback from Tyler Legacy, uh, Chris Brazel, a receiver from Midland Lee. And then um, I, I think down the line, if you're looking for a, a couple of bigger guys, uh, I really like Dwight Nunu, a linebacker from South Grand Prairie, Kevon Sherman, a linebacker from Pearland. I think those guys are also poised to, have, poised to have really big years. I did something similar to this last year. It wasn't quite like this. It was a little more like, hey, here's the guys in 22 who this time next year will be big names. And I was going back through that article today and I had some hits. I, I was pretty proud of it because those guys now are committed to like Auburn, Texas A&M, you know, I mean, it's big. Every one of them is committed to a power five school. So um, I try to do this to kind of highlight a lot of the kids I've seen throughout the process and, and just kind of make them aware and hope maybe a college coach sees it and decides to watch their film and, and give them a look. That's awesome. Well, I know I've heard you say before when you've come by our place that, you know, you see a lot of dudes uh, across the state of Texas. When I say dudes, I'm saying like athletic freaks, guys that, you know, the rest of us would just be in awe of if we saw. And you talked about that. That doesn't really move the knee. I mean, you, you see them, you kind of become immune to it. So when you do go by these places and you go and you look at these kids or you go, you, you walk into these high schools, what does, what still shocks you or maybe surprises you or impresses you when you, when you do go to these, these places across the state? I think back to the guys I've covered in the state um, and you look at them now, it's like, I'm, I'm finally getting to the age where those guys are in the NFL. And so like when they get drafted, I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. I remember like Jeff Okuda. I remember watching Jeff Okuda in high school, Kyler Murray. I covered him up close, like things like that. So you've really got to top that. And uh, Quinn Ewers at Southlake, I will give the example of I've known Quinn since he was in eighth grade. I saw Quinn throw in eighth grade. And when I saw him throw in eighth grade, I turned to somebody next to me and I was like, that kid's the number one quarterback in the country for his class. Like you could just see it. And and the great ones you really can. And so I I do still get excited when you could see it at a young age like that. 
The other thing is just um, <clears throat> dudes who are like uncommon among the greats. I mean, we're going to have a number one player in the country every year, but those number one players aren't always equal. You know, I mean, the number one in 22 might be way better than the number one in 23. You know, we just don't know. So um, there's a guy out of Georgia who I've seen on seven on seven, like seven or eight times this year named uh, Travis Hunter. He's committed to Florida state. And it took like four or five plays. And I was like, he's one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life. And like, I, I, my favorite experience is like going to tournaments with other people. They were going to see him for the first time and just seeing like how long it takes for them to be like, wow. And he is incredible. I mean, he's a kid. I will tell my, hopefully my kids about one day. I'll try. And um, so that still really gets me excited when you see the guys, you know, year in and year out, we see really good dudes. But when you see the guys that, you know, okay, that guy's going to be an all time great. Uh, that that's what gets me excited. The other thing is seeing, um, you know, the work ethic that goes along with it. I've seen a lot of kids who are talented piss it away because they don't have the work ethic. So when you go and you see those kids being leaders on the field and you see them, uh, you know, leading those workouts and, and being in a really strong program, I, that's what I always love about coming out to Pleasant Grove is you guys just have such a great program. It's a positive program, but it coaches really hard. You keep your kids accountable. You know, I, I think that all those things matter. And I think that for, you know, little old Pleasant Grove out in Texarkana, you guys have assembled one of the finer coaching staffs in the state of Texas. I, I just love all the guys on your staffs. So, um, you know, I, I seeing watching guys like Landon and Marcus grow up because I was covering them since their sophomore year, not only seeing their incredible talent, but hard they work to, you know, and, and how much they push the rest of their players. That's what really gets me excited because when you combine, when I think back to the kids who didn't make it, one of the the biggest you know factors is they just didn't want to or they didn't work that hard. And so when you see the talent with the will to work, I, I it's really exciting for me. I appreciate it, Mike, and 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 I'll uh, I'll Venmo you fifty bucks for that uh that that comment there, that compliment uh, on the on the staff. Um, well, let's, let's, uh, here, here's what we're going to do. Whenever I have coaches on the podcast, I always close out with some rapid fire questions and you're a guy, you know, you got deadlines to meet, you know, you got an article to finish for tomorrow for Wednesday. I know this is going to be no problem for you you're around, you're around big time coaches all the time. So this is going to be no problem for you at all. So, uh, what do you say? You ready to answer? Yeah, let's, let's questions? do the lightning round. Okay. okay I'm, I'm with the lightning round. There we go. All right. So here's the lightning round. First question. Uh, you, I would say it's, it's, it's safe to. Uh, call you an expert in recruiting, an expert in in college football, and in, in, in identifying you know really good players. <clears throat> besides that, and maybe besides your expertise in food and food recommendations, because that on a personal level is is something we also know you're good at. What else would you consider yourself an expert in? I'm an expert in uh, Saved by the Bell trivia. I could also be an expert in fringe trivia. We actually got into that in coaching school, me and another coach with some ladies at the Dave Campbell's football social. Um, I'm uh, I like, so my wife and I have watched friends every night that we go to sleep for the entirety of our relationship. So I could tell you anything about the show. It's her favorite. Um, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm a really big hockey fan. I would say like outside of football, hockey is like the one thing I do where it's like, I don't work it. I don't have anything to do with it other than be a fan. So I just, I watch the stars and scream at the TV. So um, those are probably like, I, I guess the expertise of my life. Okay. So you are a, a also really good at, at talking with people. You go around, you make conversations, you talk with high school kids and you talk with coaches and you're making connections and building relationships. Give us your best advice on how to have 
conversations with people that aren't awkward, because I'm sure you've had your fair share of awkward conversations, of awkward interactions with people. So give us some, your, your best, Mike Roach's best conversation advice. Go ahead. I think the best advice for any interaction is just to be yourself and not to try to force anything. And I, I, you're right. I've had my share of like awkward conversations with kids, parents, or coaches. And I run from those. Like if I feel it's going awkward, I'm like, all right, we're done here. Um, I really like connecting with authentic people and um, you know, authentic people are easy to talk with. You know, I, 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 I know I keep referencing y'all staff. Like I, anytime I see coach Darby anywhere, like he's just an authentic guy. He's as authentic as it gets. So, uh, you know, like I ran into him at the SMU camp when he brought a, a couple of the kids up to camp and we just talked there and it was just, you know, it's just easy. Like, Hey, it's not me trying to be anything different. It's not him trying to be anything different. Show an interest, listen, actively listen is, is a big part of it. If they feel like you're just using them for something, I think that that takes away from it a little bit, but you know, I, that's my favorite part of the job, frankly, is, is talking with people. I'm i I'm what you would call an extrovert. So uh, I, I, it really energizes me. Yeah. You know, and, and coach Darby, uh, he has gotten his fair share of, of shout outs on this podcast, but uh, he deserves every one of them. You're right. He's an awesome dude to work with and, and definitely one of the most genuine people that I've ever been around. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's awesome that you've identified that as well, because he is, that's who he is all the time. All right, so give us, you talked about some maybe some sleeper high school picks, uh, high school recruits that, that are poised to, to have breakout years this next year. Give us some sleeper, your sleeper picks for uh, restaurants as you, as you travel the, the, the state of Texas, kind of some sleeper restaurants that may be off the radar a little bit that we should check out. Um, in Texarkana, I was put on to Naaman's. And I really liked Naaman's when I went. I don't know if that's all like a sleeper restaurant or not. Um, I guess it seemed like one of the more popular ones in Texarkana, but I had heard, never heard of it until I came through there. And I told some media guys about it and they had never heard of it. So guys like Matt Stepp and, you know, who eat all over the place, I told him like, Hey, would next time you're in Texarkana name it. The problem is, is that the, like we get fed too well at the games in Texarkana. So any of those stadiums, you know, we, we get good food in the press box. I'm trying to hit like just major spots I go to and like, where would I, where see like Pinkerton's used to be my, my go-to in Houston. Like I would tell everybody, if you're going to Houston, you got to go to Pinkerton's. I would say outside of that. Um, there's a place. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's over by North shore in Houston. And uh, Marcus Gutierrez, who works for the Chronicle actually put me onto it. It's a Spanish name for a Mexican food restaurant. I will have to look up and get to you later. Um, but it was phenomenal. And I, you know, I asked Marcus and he's a, um, a regular of that area. And uh, he, um, he told me uh, that uh, this is kind of the, the joint to eat at. So um, here it is. I got it. It's a uh, Los Palomas, Los Palomas Mexican restaurant. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a favorite of steps as well. I've seen him talk about that on, on social media. Yeah. And then I had another place in, um, in El Campo, uh, when I went out to El Campo called Prosix, uh, Prosix Smokehouse. And it's like an old school, like a meat market smokehouse place that, that I really enjoyed in Dallas. I would say, it's becoming, <clears throat> they're, they're opening more locations and it's becoming more in vogue. And I don't know, you guys are such regulars at the star. The star is like your second home for Pleasant Grove. I don't know if you ever get to eat while you're over there, but Connie Rosso is like the best pizza you can get. And it's right across the street from the star. 
that's that's my like if i'm at the star if, if i'm doing a game at the star it's an automatic we're going to connie rasa beforehand so uh, it's like brick oven pizza that that's really really good um a place i'm from irving texas a place not a lot of people know about but i would still absolutely recommend in irving is called denals and it's over on o'connor road and it's it is as hole in the wall mexican as you can get but it is tremendous mexican food so that's uh that's probably what i would recommend okay some great recommendations there all right switching gears on you here uh matthew mcconaughey a big time ambassador for the university of texas uh, have you met have you met M- M- mcconaughey um you cross paths with I would say I met him. He would probably not tell you we met. Okay. It, I mean, right. it was very much like uh, he was walking by. Hey, how you doing? Right. Right. Okay. Uh, now, I when I told my wife, it was yeah, we we met. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I, he would have said, "Hey, how you doing?" To anybody standing there. I think. Right. Right. Absolutely. What's your uh, What's your favorite Matthew McConaughey movie? Um. When I was little, I loved Angels in the Outfield. Uh. I would say probably, oh, it's got to be Days to Confused. I mean, to me, that's like, it's one of my favorite movies anyways. It's uh, it's an incredible depiction of Texas, I think. And um, like my dad loves it because he's that, like it was literally, that was his class in Texas, like that type of thing. And his, his role is just like, that's where the all right, all right, all right came from. It's so iconic. I do enjoy like... Um, early McConaughey when he was trying to like a time to kill. I think he's tremendous in as well, but uh, I think you got to go with days of confused. So I don't know if you know this and you can bring this up to coach Gibson the next time you're in town, but that movie uh, days of confused is actually based on our high school. You know, we all went to the same high school in Huntsville high school. Uh, I didn't know that the Emporium, the pool hall there where they're playing pool and, and, and the freshman dumps the paint on, uh, onto uh, Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, you know that's that that was that's a real place. That was my mom's graduating class, uh, so she knew those guys, uh, the the quarterback, and and uh, actually, uh, Woody. So so Matthew McConaughey's uh, character, uh, his son went to high school. He was a year ahead of me in high school. So oh wow, yeah yeah that that um that's that's always you can't come out of my town and and uh, not have seen that movie. You know the the whole thing where they were they were uh, paddling freshmen like. That happened. I think my class was a freshman. It was one of those last years that that happened. But I remember, I have a vivid memory of walking out of middle school the last day of eighth grade, and all the the seniors are lined up in their trucks, waiting for us to, to oh, come man. Out, go to the uh, go to the freshman senior party. So uh, that is a great movie, and uh, yeah, and I and I love a time to kill as well. That's also a really really a solid. Economy. That's crazy. Um, so that adds. I often talk about on my on our podcast that. Um, like uh, a lot of people don't know that Varsity Blues was pretty much based off of Art Briles Stephenville teams and that they wouldn't show Varsity Blues in Stephenville uh, when it came out. So um, now we've added some more kind of uh, Texas high school uh, 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 background to film. Yeah, and that locker room, Varsity Blue locker room, that's Georgetown's locker room. Georgetown. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, there you go. I was at Georgetown last year for a playoff game. It was my first time at the stadium, and I'm looking around. I'm like, this place looks familiar. And somebody's like, this is where Varsity Blues was filmed. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's why. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Yeah. Well, Mike, it was a lot of fun talking to you today, and and really glad we got to do this. Um, And and just uh, appreciate you and appreciate all that you do for for high school football in the state of Texas and and, and all the, uh, um, the the great job you do making connections with coaches and and I just want to wish you the best of luck and look forward to seeing you 
uh, up at our place sometime this year. Anytime. And I think it'll be in like two or three weeks. You'll see me. Um, I've, I've got vacation next week. And then when I come back, I'm going to make my customary uh, summer trip to Texarkana to go see all the schools and usually catch you guys when you're in pads and everybody else right before they get into pads. So um, yeah, I think I'll, you guys don't start. You start next week, don't you? We do start August 2nd. Yeah. So ve- very excited about that. I'll be on vacation at the time. I'll be thinking of y'all when I'm in Mexico. Uh, but yeah, I'll probably come back the week after that and come see you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. No problem, man. Thanks. Thanks once again to Mike for joining us today. Really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, He's just one of those guys who is well-connected throughout the state, and I always enjoy talking with him uh, whenever we run into each other. So if you see Mike uh, at a coaching clinic or if he he shows up at one of your games or maybe to your school, make sure you go and connect with him. Uh, Also, be sure to give Mike a follow on Twitter, at MikeRoach247. That's at Mike Roach 247 and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. We're down to our last uh, one or two episodes of season three of KYPD, but we will continue to highlight outstanding D-line content for you guys throughout this season. So make sure you give us a follow at KYPD podcast and leave us a five-star rating and a review and help spread the word about what we got going on over here uh, at KYPD at Keep Your Pads Down podcast. Our quote of the day draws its inspiration from my conversation with Mike today. And I'll see if you can guess where it comes from. I'll give you a pretty good hint here at the end. Here it goes. Let me tell you this. The older you get, the more rules they're going to try to get you to follow. You just got to keep on living, man. L-I-V-I-N. All right, all right, all right. Well, that will do it for us this episode of KYPD. Hey, good luck to you guys this week. Go get after it. Carry a pin out to practice with you. And remember, be liberal with the gold bond beforehand. You will thank me later. Oh, yeah. And most importantly, this is Mike Roach from 24-7 Sports reminding you to keep your pads down.